It's the Breakcast. Breakcast. Goodbye to all that, Insecure Edition, Pop Break's after party for our favorite shows. My name is Alex Marcus, and I am the TV editor for popbreak.com, and I am joined here today by a special guest, Lovey McPherson. Uh, Lovey has been a recent addition to the Pop Break staff, specializing in reality TV, and she also hosts her own TV podcast, Live, Laugh, and Lovey, which uh, comes out weekly. So, uh, Lovey, thanks for coming on to talk about Insecure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this all, all week. <laughs> um, unfortunately, we don't have someone on the site regularly covering Insecure, uh, which is kind of to our detriment. But what that meant is that I got to kind of like look out into the internet to find somebody that I could watch Insecure along with. And that's how I stumbled across you and your podcast. And I just want to first compliment you on doing a great job hosting a very wild bunch of uh of opinionated ladies <laughs> <laughs> to say the least <laughs> yeah i know it's not easy to have to uh host like even having like one other person there never mind a whole crew so it's i my hat is a uh, tip to you on that one <laughs> <laughs> but it's all in fun i i love them to death and yeah it is a little give me a little challenging to wrangle up four different women with four different opinions and four different attitudes but at the end of the day we all love each other and it's all in fun and you somehow managed to get it in in like 45 minutes most of the time too which is really impressive (laughs) (laughs) but um today we're here to talk about insecure uh the fourth season uh finished up its run on hbo a couple of weeks ago uh and i wanted to quickly just get your thoughts on like what what it is that you like about Insecure as a series and what makes you hang around for its fourth season, which is pretty long for a half hour uh, show these days. It is. But one thing that really resonated with me is because I'm originally from California. I'm originally okay. from the Bay Area. So I know girls like Issa, Molly, Tiffany and Kelly. Okay. And, and I know girls or women, shall I say, who share those same stories, or I've had those same experiences that they've had over the last four years. Um, So it not only reminds me of home, but, you know, it's relatable. In essence, that's probably the the key element that it's it's a relatable show as a black woman. And I have to say, coming from a very different experience, you know, like I'm a white boy from Jersey uh, and and the world of L.A. is very different for me. And that and uh, I wish that I could have gotten to, I was actually supposed to be visiting California uh, this past spring to visit a friend who lives out there. And I was all excited to, like, take the insecure tour and like go out to all the cool restaurants that Issa and Molly get up to all the time. And then Corona happened and there went that vacation. <laughs> <laughs> really? They have a tour? Really? Well, not exactly, but I have a friend who lives in LA and watches the show and knows all the places that they go. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So okay. He was going to give me a tour of of uh of Insecure. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> but yeah, I have to say that even coming from a very different background, different experience, I find the show incredibly relatable too. And I think it's a testament to Issa Rae, who's the writer, creator, star of the show, for what a great job her and her writers do to kind of cultivate this coming of age story almost for this woman who you know she she started out she was in her 20s she was she was stuck in a relationship that wasn't going anywhere stuck in a job that didn't value her and with friends whose lives were in a real different place than hers were and that was something that I totally could connect with even though like the details were different that emotional experience felt so close to my own and I kind of I really latched on to that from there and I feel like what's been nice to watch over the course of four seasons is that the creative team again led by Issa Rae herself has really allowed this the characters to grow and allowed their situations to change and evolve in a way that people do in real life and that's just a thing that for me I just am always pulled into because the thing that I hate more than anything on any tv show is when uh, they feel the need to reset their characters at the end of an arc back to where they started because it's like, well, we can't break the premise of the show. And I'm always like, no, please break the premise of the show. Like, if your characters are strong enough, it'll survive. And I think this show does that better than close to any other show on TV right now, letting their characters grow and deepen and change. And that kind of ties directly into the main conflict of this season, which is the Issa and Molly relationship. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you about some lighter parts of this season. Um, And specifically, what I think is like the breakout character of season four, which is Condola, played by Christina Elmore. I wanted to get your sense of like, what do you think about this character and like what she brought to this season? Oh, that's a good question. Um, she brought, I think with her being added to the mix, I think that kind of forced Issa to really understand and value who Lawrence is and what she had. Um, because at the end of the day, Lawrence was, was a good guy. He just was a little unmotivated in the beginning. And I know that, you know, over the course of five years, it's going to, you know, the relationship is going to run its course and that stuff is going to get old. Um, but with Condola coming in, I think also another part of that, I would say that it caused, it forced Issa to have a little bit to, to find more of her voice. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, she's still that awkward person, but, you know, like you said, it's a coming of age story. She's growing. And as you get older, you start to elevate and you start to become a little bit more confident in yourself. And by 30 is typically when it happens. And she, you know, even though it was awkward in the beginning, you know, she was just like, okay, mm, all right. So when, and I don't know if we're going to go into some of the episodes, but um, I forgot the episode it was, but the episode, I want to say it was like episode eight or nine, I think it was nine, when Lawrence and Issa had their talk and she yes. spent the night with him. Um, I don't think she would have done that if Condola was in the picture. Um, right. Because, you know, she was just like, okay. And I, in my opinion, I think 
she spoke up on the merit alone that she knew that uh, Lawrence was talking to Condola. And I feel as though, well, let me see if I still have it like that. No, I'm not ready for the night to end. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I loved that episode, that the episode with where they really reconnect for for what feels like the first time in forever. Like there was like they've been kind of ter- like tertiary characters in each other's lives since they've broken up. But that kind of like that endless night thing is just such a that's just such a story trope that I'm a sucker for. I love that. I love that when it happens in real life, when it's mm-hmm. just like the night feels like it goes on forever. And I love any story that does that. And I thought mm-hmm. that it was a great way to handle the kind of coming together of those two characters again after so long. Right. But yeah, then, it's mm-hmm. it's interesting what you're saying about the connection that uh, Kendola plays into that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm still mad that they threw the baby in there. I mean, even though we knew it was coming, but. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, you guys talked about that on your podcast ahead of the finale. And I was like, what are they talking about? She's not going to be pregnant. There's no way. And then it happened. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so obviously you guys are better, more attentive viewers than I am. <laughs> I was like, well, they wouldn't do that. And then when they do it, like, it, it's like, it's mean, but it actually like makes sense. Like it were I like, I love that it happened once it happened. Yeah, so it's 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 going to be interesting how they put a spin on this because um, I said that I think that Issa jumped the gun just a little bit too quickly with ending it with Lawrence, and I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead. And no, that's okay. We were gonna. We, I was gonna. I was gonna save that for a little while, but we can talk about it right now since it came up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I, um, I think Issa jumped the gun too fast, uh, but she doesn't have, like, a point of reference to kind of go to, maybe, like, her mom to kind of give her some, uh, a good word or so, or something like that, but she doesn't have any friends in her circle that has any of that, that was, like, a young mother, because right. Tiffany, you know, they're all around the same age, but she's an older mother. But I know and even I'm as not. an older mother, that's that like for this news to hit her at the end of that episode, when you're seeing how being a mother has has so significantly affected Tiffany and in, in not a great way, like that kind of even heightens what maybe her regular response to that would be, where it was like maybe she already maybe Issa already felt like she maybe wasn't ready for this kind of situation but then when she sees her but like one of her best friends struggling so hard to handle it that just kind of like puts it like a whole, whole nother level like 100 percent can't handle this right now absolutely absolutely so and i know that at that at that at her age because i am a little bit older um <laughs> but at her age i had already had friends around my age who were having kids like right out of high school right. so you know I had people that I could talk to you know if the situation ever arose but Issa doesn't have that so of course her only thing to do is run okay you know what no I'm out I'm not dealing with this but I'm hoping that she does eventually come around but I'm hoping that she becomes pregnant though oh wow Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay, okay, so I'm, wanna, sorry, I'm, I sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so excited. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, that was a big finale. So we're definitely going to get into it. But okay. before we get into that, I wanted to just briefly say that another aspect of the Condola character that I really liked was the way that it let uh, Issa grow professionally as well. Like it really centered this plot about her throwing the cookout and everything, which seemed like kind of a, just a pipe dream. Even towards the end of last season, it seemed like, is this even something that can really happen? And getting to have that kind of friendship with Condola and that work relationship as well really allowed her to see that like you could have this life and this could be a career and this could be something that you're actually really good at and ties into a lot of the things that she had been doing previously in ways that at first blush you maybe wouldn't realize. And I, I really like that I have to say I'm just so impressed with the way that they used this character because I feel like she solves three main functions for the show this season like one is to make uh Issa reconsider Lawrence right she finally gets like shooken out of that kind of stasis that she's had of how she thinks of him after their relationship by looking at him through Condola's eyes two she she is like a model for who Issa could be professionally in the future which is a really nice thing to have and then three she puts in sharp relief her own friendship with Molly because things with Condola even if they're not as deep as a friendship as what she has with Molly they're just so much easier and less complicated and I think that it really helps Issa see what she's missing in her relationship with Molly and what's been really toxic about it by the time that we get into season four and I just have to compliment the the writers that they could use a character towards all of these like ends while also making her just a really fun interesting character in her own right that I just want to see more of and on the episodes when she's not there I'm like oh what's Kendola up to like can't we get a scene with her (laughs) right and like usually when like a character has like such clear like plot motivations they don't feel like real people and it's a real testament to the writing and also to Christina Elmore who portrays Condola that she she just was she had her own life she like she existed when she wasn't on screen you know she has a a life before the show started and she's gonna have a life after the show ends and that's a life that I'm interested in and I just wanted to get your thoughts on that oh absolutely especially the last two points that you brought up I didn't think about it like that what well I did in a sense but Definitely, Condola did assist Issa with finding her niche, or I I won't say find, but reconfirming her niche. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, all I need to do, all I needed was to rub a couple of elbows, and wow, I think I found my passion. This is it. This is where I want, this is is what really works for me. So definitely on that, uh, all of the points that you pointed, that was good. That was good. <laughs> I didn't look at it like that. Yeah, I mean, they did it, so they deserve more credit than I do. I just noticed <laughs> it. <laughs> but it's interesting how people could look at the same exact thing and they would see something totally different. And yeah. then when you bring all points together, it just comes together as a collective. Like, wow, yes, I'm here yeah. for it. <laughs> 
and it's just it's crazy like that could be that character could have been so mercenary where she just like she served her purpose and then it's like at the end of season four it's like well that was a condola season and now she's gone but it's like now there's like a real reason for her to stick with the show regardless of what happens with Lawrence and and her and I'm really excited by that because I just really liked her presence and I liked her vibe and I liked what she brought to the table I liked her like terrible friends that she had over for Thanksgiving (laughs) right that was that 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 episode was fun I don't know how you felt about that but I felt like those friends were so fun to watch as like a fly on a wall and also I felt like if I was Lawrence I it would have been just like an excruciating experience to have to go through (laughs) well you know what's funny is that I can relate to the friends because they're more of the bougie kind but yet they're still having fun with one another uh-huh. and I can be like that sometimes because I have my my friends often call me Miss Bougie or Miss Princess so <laughs> I can definitely relate to it and I definitely have a friend I forgot the, the loud friend's name was it Tanya I can't remember I have a friend like that so uh-huh. again, that's another element that I could totally relate to like why are you running your mouth girl shut up (laughs) yeah I mean what I liked most about it was that they really felt like they had their own like dynamic like they felt like a real group of friends and that's also what makes it like if I'm Lawrence I would feel so intimidated by that and so on the outside of it because they all have this kind of like shorthand and they have this vibe and you're just like trying to navigate it and it's like every button is the wrong button to push (laughs) so I thought that was really cool um Mm -hmm. but uh that's kind of talking about the Molly side of things the Issa side of things I wanted to get your thoughts on the Molly side of things because this show (sighs) especially because Issa and Molly were kind of on like the rocks this season I think even more than usual Issa and Molly felt like they were kind of operating on in two different shows almost right right and the Molly show was all about her trying to figure out how to be in a long-term relationship with Andrew Mm -hmm. uh, who's played by Alexander Hodge and I should say Molly played by uh, Yvonne Orji who I think is just amazing and tremendous and the whole series, but I think, like, this is her best season as an actress. I thought that she really is asked to do a lot, and she just delivers, like, all, like, in every single scene that she's asked to. Like, it, she's going through a lot in this season, and it always made emotional sense to me, even when I was like, Molly, relax, like, come on, <laughs> like, work with us here. Right. But, um, but I was, I'm curious what your thoughts are of Molly's story with Andrew and with her anger issues that the show really explores in this, in this season. <sighs> Where do I begin? Oh, <laughs> let's see. Well, in my opinion, I don't think Molly could walk and chew gum at the same time because it seems as though she couldn't focus on both relationships. It was either or. Like, even though she knew that her relationship or friendship with Issa was suffering, she was more concerned with what was going on with she and um, Andrew. Because I was about to call him Asian Bay because that's what my friend calls him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they call him on the show a lot, too. So I think that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so with Andrew, and it's just like, girl, 
get it together. Like you can work on both of them. Just be a better person. But she was just, she continuously kept going against the grain. And again, this is all part of growing. But because she was just so stuck in the Molly show, she couldn't mm-hmm. see outside of the blinders. It was just like, I don't understand where are you? And <laughs> even with your, uh, your, um, Oh, not therapist. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, well, you know, the, her, uh, oh, what is the word that I'm looking for? It is escaping me, but you know who I'm, I mean, her therapist. Yeah. Yeah. She was her therapist. Um, you know, she even pointed it out to her and gave her examples, but she still couldn't see it. Nope. It's Issa's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she was she's ready to fight with the therapist too. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, um, okay, but I was Molly at one point. Mm-hmm. Where well, I won't say completely. No, I won't say that because I <laughs> I knew I knew how to identify my role in a situation. Like, okay, why are we fighting? What role did I play in this? But again, that go, that comes with growth. You know, right. as you get older, you learn, you learn like, hey, it can't always be me. Like, is it is it, or it can't always be them. Is it something that I'm doing wrong? But she's not there yet. And then she's also not in a headspace to receive any feedback from someone that they're trying to give her out of love because she feels so attacked. Yes. And you know, Molly is that pro-black girl where everything is racist, and it's not. And that shocked me a little bit, being that she's from California, but I know that there are people who think that way. But Mm -hmm. typically, people from California, we're a little bit more open-minded. And it kind of throws me a little bit when everything is the N-word. And I'm like... uh, (laughs) It's not always like that. It's a calm down. Like, literally, I'm hollering at the TV. Girl, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> what do you well, think? and this is this has been laid in to her character to a, to a certain degree throughout the whole series, which I think is, is nice because it doesn't feel like it's coming out of nowhere, right? Like, she had her problems with the, with the white firm that she was at, and then when she switched over to the majority black firm, there was that kind of adjustment period where she was kind of used to, it was just like a whole, like trying to realize like where the legitimate grievances were, where which there were ones, and then where it was just kind of her kind of like leaning on that. So that way she could just, because it was easier than reflecting on herself sometimes. Um, and I thought that earlier seasons really, really explored that in an interesting way. Um, and I think here, what, what struck me the most about her arc was that like, Oftentimes, I felt like, almost exclusively, she wasn't wrong in any of the times that she was upset. She was wrong for being as upset as she was and, like, not knowing to, like, or not being able to contextualize where she is mm-hmm. and, and like, to pick her battles. Like, I just, like, I just kept thinking of that all the, like, I've, I've had some time in therapy as well. And, <laughs> and pick your battles is definitely a thing that comes up, I think, for anybody who goes into therapy, especially if you're in therapy trying to deal with kind of uh, complicated relationships, right? It's always, right. A, it's always a question of like, you like you could literally, like, I liked what they, what the therapist said in that one episode where she was like, you could, you could be right, or you could, or you could work on actually having a relationship with people. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's the way the world works, right? Like, you might be a hundred percent right in your situation, but like 
like like for instance when she goes on on vacation with Andrew and she's with the brother right right that brother was being a jerk like he just was like that was incredibly like this thing happened she took it one way I I kind of felt like she she was at least within her rights to feel that way you know it and it's certainly like we don't really get I I also thought that it was kind of interesting the way that this show like depicted that scene where you don't really see exactly what Molly saw you see the interaction starting with Molly more than anything so it's not a hundred percent clear but it seems very plausible that they were being kind of racist to her right and like and that's the sort of thing that you could even understand that like maybe 99 times out of 100 you're not going to get upset about it because it's just like look it's just whatever but it's not something that you should have to deal with. And it hit her that way on the hundredth time. And she's just like, she went off and she was upset. Right. Right. So the brother's there, the brother's a stranger to her, you know, and also he knows that like, she's dating his brother. So like, maybe don't like have a, like, well, I'm just a devil's advocate kind of argument right now. Like, I'm just like picking your brain about this. Like he knew exactly what he was doing and he knew yeah. it was appropriate. Yeah, he was egging her on, absolutely. And he did nothing to try to defuse the situation at all. Not at all. And, like, yeah. if you acted like that to someone who you were, like, really good friends with and you know really well and you acted that way, that would be one thing because at least there's, like, an established relationship there and there's, like, goodwill built up between the two of you. And so, like, if you're going to be kind of a devil's advocate, which I personally think is kind of obnoxious no matter who does it, but at least in <laughs> in certain contexts, it's okay, Right. In right. that context, it was 100% not okay. He should have just minded his own business and just, at the very least, tried to de-escalate the situation instead of making it worse. Right. But from Molly's side, she's meeting her boyfriend's family for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. just let him be an asshole, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, sometimes people's families are assholes. And, like, it's not, like, like you don't, like, you just have to deal with it. Just, like, let him be a jerk and move on so it doesn't ruin, like, number one, the whole day. And number two, possibly the entire relationship. Like, that kind of stuff can, ruin, like, turn you toxic to a family mm-hmm. forever. Absolutely. So, like, Sometimes you got to just keep your mouth shut, even though that's not like the right thing to do. It doesn't feel right. It's that's what being in a relationship is. It's compromising and sometimes putting your partner's needs ahead of yours. So I really, really liked that episode and the way that they explored that, because you could imagine a lesser show not handling all of the nuances of it and kind of selling out one of the characters too much and making it a clearer Thing that the audience could just like root for and be like yeah molly's right or yeah molly's wrong but instead <laughs> they like really they lay, they played it real and it felt really interesting to watch as a result i like what do you think about that whole that whole sequence i would agree i would agree but i kind of felt like andrew uh kind of was uh straddling the fence a little bit because he got mad. He instantly got mad at his brother. But then you could kind of tell that he was a little upset at Molly as well. But he didn't do anything. And then for the next scene, well, you know, the next morning, shall I say, when he came back, it's like, yeah, I talked over my brother. It's cool. And I'm like, well, what did you say? Well, what, what happened? You know? And I kind of felt like, as the significant other, as the, the um, you know, as the person that's, oh, 
I am escaping my words tonight. What is going on? Um, <laughs> as the common factor, the common denominator of the two, right. I would have sat the two of them down together like, hey, you know, let's come on now because, you know, we, you know, let's work together. Let's let's do something. Or Molly could have gone to the brother and talked it out. They could have talked it out right then and there. But instead, she just, you know, avoided him altogether. So I know how it feels to not have to have someone not want to deal with a family member. So I kind of felt as though Andrew could have done something to diffuse the situation and calm both parties down. But he instantly took Molly's side like, man, what are you doing? Leave her alone. So I kind of saw it from a different lens. Yeah, no, that's interesting. He definitely abdicated responsibility almost entirely. And I think he, I agree with you. I think he probably handled it as badly as he could have. (laughs) To his credit, though, he's he's also someone who hasn't been in a long-term relationship like this before. And he maybe never really was in this situation where he has to really balance these two people who he loves in different ways. And he, and that's a hard position for anybody to be in. It is. But I I agree. He definitely didn't do the right thing. Like taking some time to cool off and like maybe having like the rest of the afternoon apart so everybody could chill. That seems like it makes sense. Saying we're not going to see them again for the rest of the trip. That seems like that's only going to make things worse. Right. Because right. it lets everybody just fester in their feelings and that's no good. Right. And then and then you see how that kind of bubbles up over the rest of the season and season, it becomes right. a real problem between Andrew and Molly, which is right. which is an issue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, but it, it's I thought I think that that whole sequence was really interesting. Um, and that whole vacation episode was just like, oh, my God, that that <laughs> resort that they were on. I was like, is it too late for me to go to law school so I can afford a vacation? <laughs> right. <only time?" laughs> right. Well, the brother paid for everything. So what is the brother? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't think we ever found out, but he also can get courtside tickets to to basketball games and stuff. So, right. so he's, he's connected somewhere, somehow. He's doing all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. But um, but yeah, so that kind of brings us to what is really like the central conflict of this of this whole season, which I loved because well, I'll, let me set it up first. <laughs> well, the central conflict being that Issa and Molly are on the rocks, right? They're not as close as they used to be. They're kind of over each other's bullshit and there's not really a lot of love left between them. Like there's at least no tolerance there for any for anybody. Um, and that kind of just festers and rots until they go an extended amount of episodes without even talking to each other. And, and I'm just really curious what your thoughts are about watching like number one, insecure, which is oftentimes kind of juggling. It's trying to juggle work and and friends and love life, the way that everybody that age is. Um, but I feel like a lot of the times friends get the B plot on insecure, and this season they very much were like, no, the central. It's like the romances are secondary to the breakup of Issa and Molly. And I'm curious, like, what your thoughts are on that, of, like, actually dedicating a season to really explore it and give it the time that it needs to really do justice. And then also, literally, like, in the show, what do you think of that dynamic and how it played out? So, again, this kind of plays into a coming of age because the people or your friends or your circle, your circle, because the season altogether was solely 
it felt like it was solely around friendship mm-hmm. and how sometimes you can grow out of your friendships and it happens you know as you get older life happens you're with your weather regardless, regardless if it's with your career family you're going to grow. Sometimes you outgrow that person. And it's, sometimes it could be just for the moment. Because I've had that happen to me. Where I've outgrown the person who I've known for years. And we just could not get along. But we just took a moment. And it, maybe it was like a couple of years. And then eventually we came back together. So what I really liked about this season was that it really delved into the problems that you can not only have with your friends, with with your relationship romantically, but you could also have those same issues with your friends. And I was talking offline with someone before, and I was kind of comparing it to Sex and the City. We didn't see this side of friendship on Sex and the City. And Because that was just, the friendship was just a given, and all of the conflict was around their romantic lives. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's real life, you know, we all have four, you know, we have friends, and, you know, we sit back and we talk about our love life and whatnot, but Insecure definitely honed in on what it's like to fall in and out of love with your mate as well as your best friend. Mm Mm-hmm. So I definitely appreciated that. And then I also really liked how it dealt with um, postpartum depression. Yes. After having I a do. baby. I, I want to get to that next. I want to fo- stay on this for one more minute. Okay. And then we'll, and then we'll talk about that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's all right. Listen, we're two hosts, so it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, but, so... Um, uh-huh, but yeah, no, that's okay. But yeah, so I really, I agree completely. I think that in my own life, I know that I've had experiences like this as well, especially like one of the things that I think that they, they, that they captured better than I've seen in any other place, really. I don't think I've ever seen this in, in a television show or in a film in, in quite this way before is this thing that happens sometimes when you really know a person and you've known them for a really long time. The idea of who they are in your head kind of gets locked into place in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. and you don't let that person grow. And so when you're talking to them and you're seeing them, like you're not giving them the benefit of the doubt in places. You're like, oh, yeah, that's like in the show. It's like, yeah, that's Molly. That's Issa. Typical stuff all the time. It's like, well, no, actually, it's not the typical stuff. Like she's actually being different and she's changing and her life is not what it was five years ago. And you should maybe be a little bit more attentive and allow like your image of her to expand the way that her life is expanding and growing. And I found, I found, I found that with some friends of mine, like in both, in both relationships that ended up not panning out and relationships that ended up like making it work uh as friends um that moment where you're like oh I'm actually stuck seeing like this person for how he was five years ago and he's actually different now and I should give him credit for that instead of just chalking like every decision that they make like putting it through this prism of like yeah that's how they are you know it's like no that's not how they are actually like they're different in these areas like sometimes like you know when you know somebody really well, you know how they work and you know how they think, but that doesn't give them the opportunity to change and people do change. And I thought that that 
I really loved seeing that. And you saw that with both with both women. You saw that with Issa's impression of Molly, and you saw that with Molly's impression of Issa throughout the season. And I, I just I really, really liked that. And because, um, like I said, I just really connected to that idea in a way. Mm. I, I didn't, what do you think about that? As, like, almost really this, like, that felt like the central conflict, really. Like, there was other stuff. There was, like, textual reasons why. But, like, really, it felt most like they just weren't seeing each other anymore because they weren't letting each other grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we we have, sometimes we have people in their lives who will always remind you of what you used to Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, congratulating you, bigging you up and, you know, um, um, encouraging you to grow, encouraging you to go out and reach for your goals, attain your goals, go after what you want. And another thing to that is, uh, I think Molly was so used to Issa being stuck in one box Mm -hmm. and she being on a higher level, like, oh, I'm the one with the money, I'm the one you know, that's providing for her, but now that Issa's able to provide for herself, you know, Issa's, I mean, Molly, keep getting the mistake, um, you know, uh, mixed up, <laughs> but Molly, I guess she was kind of feeling like a child, a mother whose child is now grown. Okay, now right. what am I supposed to do? I'm an empty nester. She doesn't need me anymore. Okay, mm-hmm. well, she doesn't need me anymore. Okay, well, girl, remember when you used to do this? Because in, in the scene at the block party, when Andrew was trying to let Molly, no. Well, look what she did. She did this. And so she was like, oh, yeah, I guess she did. Like, just hating for no reason. And yeah. I'm like, I, I don't, I, I did not get that. I didn't appreciate that. So to what you were saying, absolutely. You know, is you just, there are some people that just will not allow you to grow and expand from the person that they once knew. Yeah. Because they need you, like you said, they need you to fill that role. And that was definitely the dynamic that Molly had with Issa this season. It's like she, you hit it right on the head. Like she needed Issa to be a little bit less than her. So that way she could have like a, like a confidence boost and an ego boost. And like, yeah, like no matter what, like this girl still doesn't have it figured out. Like I might feel like I don't have it figured out, but she really doesn't have it figured out. And that clearly made her feel better about things. And so when she didn't have that, in her life anymore it really kind of it just messed everything up (laughs) to be inarticulate about it (laughs) right absolutely (laughs) but and then that kind of brings us to the finale and the finale I thought was so interesting because you know we have this whole thing where they're like Issa and Molly's love lives are both kind of reaching this like crisis moment in like in in Issa's like or a breaking point moment I should say in Issa's case it seems like a good breaking point where it's like Lawrence and her have reconnected and they feel like they're really connect like they feel like they're connecting even better before and like maybe this is a future and like maybe uh Lawrence is gonna get that job and Issa's gonna just move and just like start a new life with him and like she's really kind of getting caught up in the fantasy of of this new life for her and and this man who she loved for so long and is starting to love again and on the flip side, you have Molly and Andrew reaching this breaking point of, like, maybe this is just too hard. Maybe they're just not compatible in the way that they want to be. 
uh, and because of all of the things that we've talked about already and and so much more. <laughs> right. And so it feels it feels like this that season and then in the back of your head you're like, but they have to resolve this conflict between Issa and Molly, right? So that feels like you're setting up a like an action packed finale of like tears and love and everything. And then the show just totally swerves and is like, hey, there's been this thing going on in the background of almost every episode that you have not been paying attention to, uh, just like our characters haven't been paying attention to, and that's kind of part of the problem. Um, and, th- and that is Tiffany, who had this baby and who's been struggling. And I thought that that was such an interesting choice that the show made to kind of to, to background all of our main stories and really pay respect to this post uh, to this um, postpartum depression storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at first, when it was happening, it did feel a little jarring to me. And then I realized, no, that's how our characters are feeling about it because they've been too like obsessed with their own lives because they have so much going on that they let their they took their eye off the ball with Tiffany as well and that's part of the reason why we ended up in the situation where we are where Tiffany felt like she had no other option but to run away you know and it right. bec- not to and that's not to blame her friends i think that what was nice about the episode is that it kind of caused me to think and i'm sure a lot of viewers is like what friend am i not being attentive to in my own life right who might be struggling with stuff and I might be like well they're they're fine you know like I know it's a hard but they're doing okay they're like they're getting through it uh because I just have too much of their stuff going on and I thought that that was a really interesting way to bring up this this story that frankly is is a very important story to tell about um about postpartum depression and something that still even in 2020 is does not get enough attention and is the knowledge is not out there the way that it should be. I know even talking to friends uh, who watch the show, they, I was surprised to see how undereducated they were about postpartum depression mm. and, how surpri- and how surprised they were by some of the developments that would happen on the show. Um, and I was, and so I think it was like a tremendous service to the community to, to center this story. And I thought that it was sneakily like expertly done in, and I'm really curious what your thoughts are. So I wish they would have spent a little bit more time on it, not necessarily on the season finale, mm-hmm. but I wish they would have dedicated like a whole show to it because it is a serious condition. A lot of women suffer from it. And, you know, even I was, I was, I'm going to be honest. I was upset that they spent 10 minutes of this, this 30 minute show looking for Tiffany. I was like, why are they looking for Tiff? This is the season finale. Can we do something else? <laughs> oh, I was upset. But I really wish that they would have dedicated as, as the storyline towards this condition. And when they t- had done back-to-back episodes of one with just Issa and then one with just Molly, I was hoping that we would have gotten a little bit more of a backstory for Tiffany and Kelly. Um, uh-huh. Why is Tiffany so bougie? Why is she so stuck up? How did she get here? So I was really hoping that they did, but you know, we didn't get that. But I do feel as though 
it could have been dedicated, there could have been more time dedicated specifically to it. Because again, there are a lot of women who suffer from it. Some women don't even know how to identify it. And then it also could have shed some light on the people that you have around you, how they can handle it, how they can assist you with handling it. I hope that, you know, they will address it going forward in the next season. But it kind of leads me to ask, is that why uh, Kelly was always at Tiffany's house? Because mm-hmm. we know that Tiffany and Kelly were cl- are close, just like Mo- like closer to each other than they are to Molly and Issa, and, you know, it's vice versa. So, right. it, yeah, I was kind of wondering, like, well, why is, you know, why is Kelly always the one over there? Um, and why aren't the other two over there as well so to what you were saying yeah we dropped the ball we weren't here for our girl so yeah we need to do better because we were so consumed with our lives we didn't see that you were over here suffering so yeah it was it was interesting but I really wish that they would have dedicated more time to it yeah I totally agree I think that what I what I really liked was the idea of this happening in the background unnoticed because I think that especially with mental health conditions that is oftentimes how it really looks in real life Mm -hmm. Um, and for a show that's not centering Tiffany I think that was an interesting choice to do that because of the realism of it but I think that Yes. Well, yes. And Nathan, who's a character that we haven't really gotten into in this episode. But yeah, that that is that is a part of this season as well. And I think that that's important to note. But I, what I think that probably a, a, a good fix could have been, because I also liked like I I hear what you're saying about the like, why are we looking for her for so long? But I really liked what that forced Molly and Issa to do, you know, the forced like these like it was after they had pretty much broken up for good at least it felt and then they were forced back to exist together and just completely table their own bullshit because there would just be no like they would be they would not be themselves if they let their their stuff come up in this context right so it forces them to kind of work together at least a little bit and to just be with each other in this context about about the things that they have in common and the people that they really care about right and also in a way that puts their own problems into perspective a little bit, right? Like Absolutely. When their friend when they think their friend might be dead or worse, like the, uh, suddenly losing a friend takes on a whole different meaning, I think. And so I really liked all of that. I think maybe a fix that you could have made is not have the parts of the episode that didn't have to do with this at all, right? So don't set it up where like it's like Issa and and Lawrence are talking for five minutes and and Molly and Andrew are talking and they're getting into a fight and then this happens. Like maybe just start the episode with the phone call and then you could do kind of a dual narrative where on the one hand you're watching Issa and Molly and and her friends and, and Tiffany's husband all try to find Tiffany and get and figure out if she's okay and 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 explore all of the things that we saw explored and then you can have a b plot where you're watching kind of in flashback like all of the stuff that Tiffany has been dealing with that no one has been paying attention to mm. over the course of the season that's and good. like that's good and like that <laughs> thank you <laughs> i think that i think that could have really helped you have the effect of oh this thing snuck up on us while also really doing justice to the lived experience because truly it is it is 
uh, it is uh, unfortunate, and I think maybe you're right, a mistake, that the only time you really get of Tiffany is like a like a two minute conversation where she's just kind of a mess, and then you, they hug, and then it's like, okay, I guess things are gonna be okay now, you know, like that that part of it is not expertly done at all, right? That like you need to see more of her in this right. episode and and have more of a sense of what she's been through and what she has ahead of her, you know, and what her actual experience is instead of it being a mystery, you know? So I right. definitely, I, I not, you know, I don't work for the show, but if I did, I would have pitched that idea and I think it might've worked better for everybody. <laughs> right, exactly. We got a, we would have gotten a little bit more closure, just a little exactly. bit. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And done the work to show this this health condition that a lot of women suffer from that, you know, as we've discussed, is is underknown and underappreciated, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think show, I, I do also like that it was Tiffany who who had this condition because we saw that maybe the maybe the baby ha- having the baby wasn't necessarily a choice that they actively made, um, but they fully embraced it after that point and it really and she's like you know she's kind of like an influencer on Instagram and she has this she's very obsessed with things being kind of superficially looking good even if necessarily things aren't um and it's and I think that it's a real testament to the actress who portrays Tiffany uh Amanda Seals that despite having that characteristic in her personality that she's not an unlikable character at all you know I think that she's you like they portray that in a sensitive way where it feels like an insecurity and not like the type of way that you're used to seeing it where it's like oh this person's a superficial monster it's like she's not she just cares a lot about what other people think and like don't we all so maybe we shouldn't judge her so much you know right right so I thought like having it be her who's going through this was really I think was really meaningful because she puts so much extra pressure on herself to be perfect all of the time and that is where that mental illness can really kind of creep in and, and turn you against yourself in a really in a really dangerous way. And so I I really appreciated that. Yeah, because you kind of saw the onset of it when she was at the block party. Because one, mm-hmm. we had never seen Tiffany that loose before. Like she yeah. was fancy free. She was, I am out of the house. I don't have this baby on my hip. I am free. And when Derek was on the phone checking on the baby, talking about, yeah, she loves Peppa Pig, Tiffany was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Just you deal with that. So we Mm kind of predicted like, okay, you know what? This is the onset of some postpartum depression. I feel it coming. And then when we, the next time we saw her was when all of the friends were at the house and they were, you know, interacting with her and the baby. She was different. You know, she's like, look, I'm tired. Um, you know, she was never, she never, had, well, no, she held the baby a couple of times, but for the most part, the baby was always in someone else's arms. So that was right. another indicator that, yes, she is suffering. She yeah. is definitely suffering. But yeah, I'm glad that they did touch on it, but I would have, lo- again, I would have loved for them to have dedicated an entire uh, episode to it yeah well and I I do hope and you know we're we're heading into what we're our expectations for next season is I do hope that they don't just drop this storyline in in season five you know like if they just if they just use this as a way to to heighten the the emotional conflicts between the characters in the in the final episode and then and then just ditch it when season five comes back that would be very disappointing I think 
mm-hmm. um, and it would make me lose a lot of respect for what they were, tr- what I, what I think they were trying to do with this episode. So I really hope that that does not go away. And and I, I feel like what we've seen of how the show has handled mental health in other characters, I don't think it will go away. I think that it will be will be there and it'll be a part of the show moving forward. But yeah, you know, I don't, she, I don't think a, so. Like Tiffany is a is a tertiary character too, so she's not a person who gets a ton of screen time in the right. first place. So it, it'll be an interesting balance. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think she's going I don't I, I think Issa is a lot more thoughtful. So I yeah. think that she is in fact going to keep the story going so that we can uncover more about Tiffany and the things that she and Derek are experiencing. I, I, I agree. I hope I hope that that um, that that goodwill that she's built up is not in vain, right? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but um, then we come to like the very end of the episode where it basically Molly and Issa's relationships both blow up for the most part, um, and you get this point of like. Of, you end on this moment of Issa and Molly finally sitting down to talk and to really talk about what's been going on with the implication that they're going to try to make things work. And I just, I really liked that idea as well, that like when like they've seen, they've gone through this whole thing with their friend who they love, who's having a really hard time. And then they come home and their their boyfriends who have been the distraction from this their relationship and their relationship problems for this whole season right like the boyfriend drama is what has kept them busy and has given them a person to talk to and like have has filled certain holes that their friendship used to fill for them right and then that just they both basically blow up at the same time and they're left with this question of and I think Andrew kind of in the way that Andrew talks to Molly he's talking to the audience about about all of the relationships on this show, not just his and Molly's, which is like, is it worth it to try this hard to make this work? And that, and it feels like they're both women are presented with that question by the men in their life, and their answer is, it's not necessarily worth it to to make these relationships work, but it is worth it to try to make my relationship with my best friend work. Right. And I thought that was a really interesting way to finally get them back in the same place. And I, I loved it. I, what do you think about that as a way oh, to close? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I believe that sometimes it takes for something dramatic to happen for you to all come together. In which in this case, it was Tiffany. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? It's, you know, life is too precious. You know, we had a scare you know what, let's let bygones be bygones. At this point, I need you as my friend. But the both of them were saying that in essence because, you know, Molly called Issa. And then that was perfect timing because Issa definitely needed Molly to talk to. So, yeah, absolutely. And I was, I'm glad that it was, in fact, Molly that she went to go see when she said hi because I just knew that it was going to be me. Yeah, I just they, knew it was going to be Nate. <laughs> that was a good misdirect. They they were really setting us up to think like, oh, she's just going to run to Nathan now. Because if, for, if you haven't watched the episode, if you haven't been following the season, basically Nathan is Issa's ex who she had this like unbelievable connection with a few seasons ago 
for a few episodes, and then he just literally dropped off the face of the earth, and, like, no one even knew what happened, and they, like, resurfaced in another city someplace else with no explanation, uh, and it really broke Issa's heart in a lot of ways, and he's come back in this, in season four, um, and explains that, like, what happened, which basically he has bipolar disorder, and he went, like, and he was basically having an episode and needed to go someplace where he could get help and get diagnosed and get on, on on the medicine that he needed. And now he finally kind of rebuilt himself up enough to come back to LA and and pick back up where he left off. And so he's obviously interested in, in reconnecting with Issa and also really interestingly is happy to settle for just being friends with her because that connection was so strong that he just wants her in his life. And I thought that was very that I thought that was very nice, and I thought that that was very true to what the two of those characters had back in season three, which was just, I mean, if you, like, the way they presented it was just, like, they, they just have this connection that you just don't ever get with other people. So it made sense to me that he would want that, even if it wasn't romantically. Right. Um, but then they set it up where it's like, okay, so now she's, so he's kind of waiting in the wings, and now things are on the rocks with Lawrence. All of a sudden, now that Condola is pregnant, whoops. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, she's going to run to him and be like, never mind. Like, his Lawrence's life is too messy. We had a real connection. I want to make another shot with you. And instead, it's it's Molly that she chooses. And I think that's growth for her as a character. And I thought that was so much more satisfying as an audience member to see oh absolutely it was like what <laughs> okay yes girl power sisterhood <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah like i said sometimes it just takes for something dramatic to happen for you to really understand and appreciate those that you have around you and those that are in your life and and you puts things into perspective it's like yeah let's let go all of that and just you know let's start fresh hey hey yeah I like, yeah mm-hmm. but and start fresh but not just start over like they that conversation seemed like they were really ready to be honest with each other right about and in a way that was made me really upset that the episode ended because I was like I could watch another half hour or <laughs> two of them just talking at that table please. <laughs> right. So you know what my philosophy is? If you have an award, if you have a really good show and the uh, the public really gravitates to it, I don't want to see you in any feature films. I don't want to see you in any <laughs> other projects. I need for you to just run this show into the ground for as long as it can. And that's your sole purpose. Okay, Issa. All right. Are you listening? Yeah. No more <laughs> taking almost two years off. So that way you could make a bunch of movies. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, listen, I liked the movie that, like, the photograph was great. I'm glad she was in it. Like, her and Lakeith were fire, but I, I like Insecure more. So, more right. of that, please. <laughs> right, exactly. I do too. I do too. Yeah. And, like, I get, like, she's writing the show. She's, she's producer on the show and she's star of the show. So, uh, it takes up a lot of time. I get it. But, like, it's only 10 episodes. She can't make <laughs> one movie and a TV show at the same time. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> It doesn't take up twelve months. Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, she has a lot of a lot of hats, and I I, I was watching a couple of her lives on Instagram. Uh, right before the finale, where she was talking to different cast members. I don't know if you saw any of them. No, I didn't. Yeah, and especially one that she did. Well, actually, she was on Amanda Seals podcast, and they oh, were. Okay. 
Yeah, and they were talking about being girl bosses. And, uh, you know, Issa was running down the list of hats that she has, and it was a lot. And she's like, you know, I just want to disconnect and just go away. So <laughs> I get that it is a lot. It is because it's a lot even just running a podcast. So I could only imagine how difficult and how challengingly, challengingly, challenging it is to run a hit show. So yeah. I can only imagine. So I mean, yeah. well deserved. I mean, you know, she's she's doing her thing. And what makes me upset because there was just an article that came out, not an article, but a news story that came out that Lena Waithe was upset that a lot of the black shows are not getting their just due. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Insecure is in fact one that's overlooked you know they it's not really getting the recognition that it should but it is a great show because just like you said it does not it, it not only appeals to the african-american community but it, it it appeals to all races to all communities because these are stories that you know it, it, you may not really be able to relate to one particular story but you could definitely relate to another it spans across the you know it it, it hits everyone absolutely and it's and it's it's one of those things where like when you have diverse voices and they're telling specific stories, there's the emotional quality to those stories are universal and the specifics are different. And it's just even just from like a just from a viewing perspective, it's it's more interesting to watch a show about people who have like to watch like 10 shows about 10 different people than to watch 10 shows about like roughly the same person right like that like right. everybody would agree with that and like I like that it showed that it's set in LA and you see like a corner of LA that you don't always get to see and I like that yeah. it it has it just it feels like it's about these specific people and these are people who don't get on TV enough and I think that that's an that is only additive to the viewing experience as far yes. as I'm concerned. I, I've always said that the streets of LA or Inglewood is like the fifth character. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I love how they highlight that. I, yeah, I really and that's do. it. Seems important to the people making that show too. Like it doesn't seem incidental or cynical. It seems like it's an important part of how they construct a season. Right. And it pays off. I think right. It really pays off. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but unfortunately, you're right. It doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. Like I mean, we about like Emmy awards and stuff and like the Emmys are so whack honestly like but they just but like I don't understand why a show like Barry gets just like oh you're a new HBO show and so you get like six awards every season and then a show like Insecure which I think is much better and much more interesting and doing a lot of things that we haven't seen before um, and telling stories about people and not just like the same old story of like I'm a murderer, but does that mean I'm a bad person? Like, yeah, it does. Like, can we move on? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, like, I don't know why we can't spend more time celebrating a show like Insecure. You know, that's the bottom line. But um, that's, I mean, I, I do a little bit of stuff with some of my other podcasts about award seasons and everything. And that's a whole other can of worms. So, <laughs> right. But what's nice, what's nice is I think that the critics who follow TV and and take it a little bit more seriously than the awards voters who and like Emmy awards honestly are some of the worst because 
they are voted on only by people who work in the TV industry. And I don't know if you've ever listened to an interview with anybody who's ever worked on TV, but whenever it comes up like, oh, what TV are you watching? Uh, they'll always say, oh, you know, we don't really watch TV because we spend so much of our day making TV that it's really hard to actually watch things, which yes. makes sense. But then yeah. it's like, so then what are you voting on? Like, you don't watch anything. And then it's just like, and then no one shocks that it's just like the same four shows get a box checked every year. You know? Right. Absolutely. Because I, I thought that, that that's what the, that was the point of the SAG Awards, because, you know, it's voted on by your peers. But if you don't have time to actually sit down and watch these shows or these movies, yeah well and especially with tv like at least movies it's like like 30 movies get chosen to be campaigned for for awards basically and out of, and then you could probably make a good case for like another like 30 or 40 but you're still talking about like roughly like even the most expanded version of it it's like 100 movies that we're talking about right mm-hmm. right with tv there's like set i think there's 700 scripted television shows last year that aired Wow, it's it's just impossible for anybody. It's impossible for critics who literally their job is to like like nine to five watch and write about television. It's impossible for them to watch everything. So for like an actor who is working like sixteen hour days and like like for months on end, they're not watching seven hundred shows. They're watching like reruns of Leave It to Beaver and calling it a day. You know, (laughs) (laughs) right. So that's what makes like awards a really tough barometer for that. But the one nice thing that I was saying is that I think that critics, a lot of the critics really respond to the show and they celebrate it. And I think that that's good. And I think that um, I hope that when the year end comes and we're talking about the best shows of the year on the critics lists, I hope that this ends up high up on that list because it really deserves it. And especially for being in its fourth season, because a fourth season is just a really hard thing for a show to still be getting better in. Right. You know, like it's because your first season, like shows typically go one of two ways in their first season. Either they had a really strong idea. And so that first season is that idea. And then in the second season, they're like, oh no, what do we do next? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or, or their first season is like, we have a cool idea and we're trying to figure it out, but we haven't quite. And then season two is like, all right, we know what we are and we're going to be great. But by the time you hit four seasons, like that initial premise is gone and you have to have allowed your story and your characters to grow and you have to have more to say. And I think Insecure absolutely does and it justifies its existence. And it's a rare show that I hope continues indefinitely, honestly. Absolutely. (laughs) Like most shows I'm afraid of getting the Showtime treatment where it's like, oh, like Showtime, anytime they get a hit show, they're like, you're going 12 seasons. It's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But Insecure, I'd watch 12 seasons of, honestly. I want to see her I want to see her grow up and become, like, everything that she deserves to be. And I want to watch that whole crew. And the more seasons you get, the more chances you have to spend more time with the, ex- like the, the tertiary characters as well. And I think that, that they have strong characters. So um, I, I would only want to see more of them as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, so <laughs> I know we're kind of pressing up against your time constraint today. So do you have any final thoughts on Insecure Season 4 and the finale specifically and, and Season 5 going forward? So again, I want to see Issa come up pregnant too. I want to <laughs> see that battle of the bellies. I, I mean, not that I want to see Lawrence caught up in, the, in between them. But, you know, one thing that Condola said, you know, basically, I'm just letting you know out of courtesy, but you don't have to play a part in this if you don't want to. 
Um, is she going to take the baby and do her own thing? Because she could technically take care of the child herself. Yeah. Um, but I think my prediction is that Lawrence is going to do the right thing because, you know, he's just a stand-up guy. He's going to do the right thing. And if that means that he has to, his heart is not in being with Condola, but he's going to be with her for the sake of the baby, I think he might do it. Yeah, I, I, I definitely. I yeah. definitely could see him doing that and then regretting it like almost immediately and then having a hard time finding his way out of that situation. <laughs> right, exactly. But it would be interesting if there was a spin if Issa found out that she too was pregnant because, you know, they were really getting it in. Mm-hmm. Um, so hmm, that would be a little plot twist, a little monkey wrench in there. <laughs> and what do you think? Do you think that Molly and Andrew have a future or do you think oh. that last scene was their last scene I think that was because they they leave it a little open like it definitely doesn't like the the camera cuts away and you don't see how that conversation ended it it certainly doesn't seem like it ended well but you could they left it open enough that they could leave it a little bit unresolved headed into season five right all right so I do think that they may go their separate ways but they may eventually come back together yeah, Would you be I, happy I, with that? Like, do you think that Andrew is a good fit for Molly and that Molly is a good fit for Andrew? I think that he's a good fit for her because he con- he's kind of the level-headedness that she needs, like mm-hmm. the calmness that she needs. Now, how I don't think he really she been I don't think he really benefits anything from her because she's still stuck on herself. <laughs> Everything, yeah. you know, she's she's never really taken anything that he's needed or wanted into consideration other than sex. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but anything outside of that, you know, because my thing is, if you can't be around my family, then clearly we have a problem. Yeah, because those fam- those problems don't go away. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just from, pers- from experience and from people I know, like, those problems that you think, well, you know, that'll fade over time they typically only get worse if left untreated so exactly so hopefully she and the brother will have that sit down either they've already had it by the time the show comes back or they'll have it when it does return well we'll have to see um (laughs) i want to thank you for coming on do you want to plug anything Sure. Yes. Um, I have my weekly podcast, Live, Laugh, and Lovey. Uh, it can definitely be found on Anchor. I also have videos of my podcast on uh, YouTube. Same name, Live, Laugh, and Lovey. Basically, I'm on all social media aspects under Live, Laugh, and Lovey. Check me out. You'll have a good time. You'll laugh. <laughs> it's true. You will. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as for me, you can follow Goodbye to All That, uh, the podcast that you're listening to. We do two episodes a month on uh, the TV shows that we're covering on the site and that I'm interested in personally. Uh, you can also follow my other TV podcast on the Breakcast feed called TV Break, where I host with our editor-in-chief, Bill Bodkin, and our TV columnist, uh, Josh Shinarki. We talk once a month about uh, all the ins and outs of the TV world. Um, and you can follow my uh, movie podcast, Cinema Joes, on Twitter at Cinema Joes and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and 
Anchor and all the rest over there under Cinema Joes. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Media Thinkings and on Letterboxd at Media Thinkings. So thanks again, Lovey, for coming on. This was great. We have to do this again on another show that we both watch because I really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> likewise, likewise. <laughs> and I'm very excited to have your stuff come onto the site in the next few months. So everybody keep an eye out on that. Absolutely. I'm excited. I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye.